listening to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I'm running solo this week, as it just so happens it's spring turkey season in Michigan, and my buddy Nick drew a tag this year, so congratulations and good luck, buddy. But rest easy, as we still have a great show lined up for you, and I know I am sure excited about it because for the past couple of weeks I've had fly fishing on the brain, and it's largely because of this week's guests. Tonight, I'm joined by Cameron Mortensen. Cameron owns and maintains the website, the Fiberglass Manifesto. And honestly, the first time I visited the site, I probably spent a few hours reading through articles and just simply taking in all the fantastic photos he has on the site. Now, you can find his website at thefiberglassmanifesto.blogspot.com. And of course, we'll have a link to the website uh, within the podcast uh, notes as well as on our website as Uh, for you to find later. Now, in case you haven't figured it out from my intro, Cameron's website is devoted to fly fishing and fly fishing with fiberglass rods specifically. And to be honest, that's what really drew me in uh, because I couldn't help but think about the parallels of fishing or fly fishing with fiberglass versus graphite and how that somewhat compares to bow hunting with laminated bows versus modern equipment, sort of an old school approach. So I just had to have him on the podcast. I reached out to him, invited him to be on the show, and he's waiting on the other end. Welcome to the show, Cameron. How you doing? Thanks for the invite. Absolutely. Glad to have you. So I guess let's just kind of jump right in here, and I'm going to have you uh, start out by telling, you know, how how you got into fly fishing. How long have you been doing it, and uh, what what drew you to to the sport? Well, I guess I've been fly fishing now since I was uh, in high school, and I grew up in Michigan, and I spent summers in northern uh, Michigan uh, working at a summer camp uh, just outside of Grayling. And, uh, you know, I didn't grow up uh, fishing that much. Uh, My dad just didn't have an affinity for it or the patience. Uh, The few times that we uh, fished as children, uh, is usually when we were camping on camping trips and, uh, we'd catch bluegills, you know, on, on worms. Uh, and then when I started working at summer camp, uh, there was a lot of people that I worked with that were really into fishing the lake, uh, that was there on the, uh, camp property. And there was bluegill and there was largemouth bass and smallmouth bass and phenomenal pike, uh, in the lake. And so I kind of got, uh, just, really into fishing, spin fishing, uh, for a number of years. Uh, and then just interest in what fly fishing was about. And that part of Michigan has a lot of, a lot of, uh, fly fishing culture and history and fly shops and sports shops, uh, where, you know, there's, uh, fly rods and flies and it's, it's, it's just a big deal up there. And so after working at summer camp for a couple of years, I went into, uh, Skip's Sport Shop, which was just outside of, of Grayling, and been in there a couple times, and I was a poor high school kid, and I don't know if it was Skip or somebody that worked in the shop, but they had, they had seen me come into the shop several times, and I kept picking up this uh, Eagle Claw Featherlight fly rod, and they had an old, a whole outfit, so you got the fly rod, you got a Martin, uh, what I know now, you know, it's called a tuna can type fly reel with just a very simple level line on it. And uh, I think it was the third or fourth time I was in the shop. Uh, I think there was a $6 price tag on the outfit. And uh, he said, you really want that fly rod, don't you? And I said, yes, sir. And, and I said, but I don't have all the money for it today. I think I had $20. And he said, well, how about you give me the $20? And I told him that I worked at Camp Sable, which is a Christian camp there uh, in Grayling. And he said, I know you're good for the, the rest of the money. Just come in through the summer and just keep paying on it. And... Uh, so I took that fly rod. I think he gave me a handful of, uh, oh, little foam flies for catching bluegill. And I started spending my, any free time that I had at camp, just learning how to cast, learning how to play fish on the fly, um, and just kind of dove like completely into it. Uh, being self-taught, I didn't have a lot of confidence. Um, in the, and so I spent that first summer just fishing on the lake so even though there's like world-class fly fishing for trout just across the street on the Asable River I really just wanted to do my time 
and get comfortable learning how to cast and uh, try to gain some confidence. Uh, also, you know, this was pre-internet, so I spent a lot of time at the library, you know, just grabbing every book, every magazine that I could to learn how to fly fish and uh, just had a great time that first year and uh, spent the next summer, I started going across the street to the Asaba River and caught my first trout on the fly and it just kind of just kept growing from there. So it was my first experience in fly fishing and then it was my first experience fishing a fiberglass fly rod as well. That is that that that's very cool. So there's a couple of things I'll bring up there. One, I I've never lived in Michigan, but uh, Nick is from Michigan, and uh, a lot of my uh, a lot of my my hunting friends are are in Michigan. And of course, you probably already know this that you know Grayling's kind of the the mecca of our <laughs> of the traditional bow hunters because of of Fred Bear. Um, but another funny thing there is is uh, Tom Jorgensen, who's another uh, close friend of ours who's actually kind of my um co-host at large and i'm going to introduce him on the podcast uh in a couple of weeks but he loves fishing the osaba river so uh that's very cool now do you still do you only do fly fishing these days or do you still fish with some other gear as well well you know what i mean when i got into fly fishing i really got into fly fishing and so uh you know i really put spinning rods away and um fished that glass rod for the first, I don't know, year or two, and then put it away uh, because everything I was reading was saying I should be fishing graphite. And so for the next 10 or so years, um, got different graphite rods, didn't fish any glass. And then, you know, um, outside of fly fishing, uh, was dating my wife. We got married. We moved to Colorado. We lived out there for about a year and a half. And then we moved back to where she was from in South Carolina and uh, one day through the gear closet and there was this bright yellow fly rod and I was like, oh man, that silly Eagle Claw <laughs> feather light was back there. And I was like, well, you know, I didn't have a lot of confidence in what glass was. And so I was like, I'll, I can fish that on the pond, you know, that'll be fine. And uh, picked it up and, and started casting and just realized, you know, how awesome, you know, glass was to cast and to fish with. By then the internet was in full force. So I was able to find the fiberglass fly riders forum. Um, and I just dove deeper and deeper into fiberglass fly rods. Um, during that entire time, I was not really spin fishing at all. I don't even know if I had a spin, spin rod. Um, but then our, our first child was born and, um, had a friend of mine build a, a fiberglass fly rod on a llama glass blank. That was a fly spin. So you could set it up with a light spinning reel, uh, one of the trigger, trigger cast zebcos or you could put a little fly reel on it and so that was kind of my kind of jumping back into spin fishing a little bit as our daughter got a little older and we could fish with crickets uh, and then our son came along and he's gotten really into fishing as well um i would say most of the time i'm fly fishing but it's been really fun to to uh cast a spinning rod again and not always under the guise of i'm doing it because the kids are doing it kind of it's fun just to go down there with a spinning rod and mess around with a, a worm or uh, a lure and and kind of relive some of the things that I did 20 some years ago when I first started fishing sure sure and anytime anytime you can do anything like that with kids it doesn't matter what the tackle is I saw that uh, you had posted on on your blog today uh, about the crickets and, and fishing with the kids and in fact I'm not sure if you listened to our podcast last week, but we had a, a, a custom knife maker on last week. And, of course, now I go and look at uh, the, the article that you just posted and fell in love with that, that uh, fillet knife you had in, the, in that article. So, yeah, I'm going to end up with another knife soon, I can tell. You need to get one of those. It's such a perfect knife for, for filleting small fish. And it's I really enjoy the work of Woody, and he does a great with his knives now. And uh, just his his quality and the story behind it, you know, his work is pretty neat. Yeah. I'm, like I said, I clicked on it this afternoon and I'm, I'm definitely going to be following up with it probably, probably tomorrow. So, um, I guess you, you know, you give us a little background regarding, um, the fiberglass manifesto, you know, something, you know, how long have you, uh, how long since you created the blog and really what was the, the catalyst that got you started, 
uh, doing the blog. So I mentioned uh, just a few minutes ago that I became a member of the uh, Fiberglass Fly Riders Forum. And at that point, the forum had been around several years before I was on it, but uh, there was only a, there was less than 300 members. In fact, I think I was the 260th member. And uh, it was really um, primarily the membership was guys that fished vintage glass. Uh, there wasn't really a lot of options for contemporary glass at that point. You had a couple of custom fly rod makers and you had a couple of companies that were making uh, glass rods along with, you know, graphite and bamboo. And so um, became a member there. Everybody's it's a it's a really great forum. And if you're not familiar with it, uh, it's one that I always recommend to anyone that's interested in learning about glass or let's say they found a, a fly rod in their um grandparents house or i've had several people that have contacted me about they've opened up a safe a family member safe and they found you know multiple fly rods in there and they want to know the history and the background behind it and uh so really dove deep on the forum and we used to have a, a sunday night chat session where guys would just stop in you know after 8 p.m and for two or three hours you know people would catch up and one of the guys on the forum was a rod builder, but he was also in law enforcement in Wyoming. And my uh, employment is in law enforcement in South Carolina. So we really hit it off. And one night we were talking back and forth and we were starting to see more rod builders that were coming to the forum and there was more things going on with contemporary glass. And this was almost 10 years ago. So uh, flip style online magazines were just coming kind of on the scene. And uh, Mike was like, you know what, it would be really cool if we had somewhere to talk about more uh, kind of spread interest in, in fishing fiberglass rods, but then also what all the different uh, builders and makers were doing. And at this point, there was probably less than a dozen builders and makers. Uh, but that conversation in the forum kind of grew. And uh, I asked him, like, well, what would we call call it and he's like the fiberglass manifesto i mean he just he already had the name you know on on his mind and i was like well that's that's a very cool name <laughs> um and then the nature of his work um he didn't really have time to do anything with it and i didn't really think about it too much for a couple months and and then one night we were in the uh, chat room i was like i don't know if either of us have the the background to do a flip style magazine but maybe I could try to start a blog and I really didn't even know what a blog was at that point either. And I asked him if he was okay, if I use the name and he's like, yeah, go ahead. So did a Google search for, uh, how to start a blog and, uh, blogger came up and, um, signed up for a site and just was completely lost. Didn't know what I was doing. Uh, just started writing and would put something up every, two or three or four or five or seven days, you know, I just didn't have a schedule, didn't really know what I was doing. Um, but, you know, just started talking about glass. And I really thought at that point that I was going to run out of things to talk about. There wasn't that many builders. There wasn't that many makers. There was an interest in contemporary glass, but there just wasn't that much of it out there. And over time, I mean, now if you uh, jump on the site and you look on the uh, glass builders, portion i mean there's 60 or 80 different builders and makers now uh so it's pretty exciting and i don't think i'll ever run out of things to talk about like probably blogs will end up being what they are today run out of things to talk about because there's there's guys out there that are doing new things every day which is really really cool well, and I've, I've noticed, so I've, I have looked at uh, the, the list that you have on the site, and I can tell you, and I'll get into that in probably in just a minute as well, as far as my my uh, what my research has led me to over the last couple of weeks. But there's a lot of, you know, small independent rod builders out there that are building fiberglass rods as well. So it's, you know, a lot of them are not, you know, well known. They're just, you know, small, what I would call like mom and pop shops, which I like to support. I do have some questions around that. Um but I'm going to try to circle back around to those in a minute. Um, but now on top of, first of all, before I get into that, I will tell you the blog is fantastic. I mean, the, uh, I, I could literally spend probably another 40, 50 hours or more just trying to get caught up. And the, the photography is fantastic. 
Um, the articles are great. I know you should, you've, you've done some contests in the past. Um, but outside of the outside of your blog, I know you've been on um, uh, uh, Orvis's uh, site through some interviews. Um, uh, Headhunters Fly Shop, uh, Fly Fish Ohio is a lot of them, you know, just going out and, and doing a search on your name. You can find a lot of uh, other sites that you've contributed to as well. And I know you're also a member of the the um, Outdoor Riders Association. So, you know, what el- where else have you have you written and, and been published? Well, you know, what? for someone that doesn't think of myself as a writer and I don't think of myself as a photographer, I guess I've always looked at this just as a really fun hobby. And, you know, working in law enforcement, uh, one of the things that I promised myself early on in my career was that I didn't want to get completely sucked into that bubble. Um, because I've worked with guys and girls where their whole life is is that job. And everyone they hang out with is a part of that job. And everyone, you know, they're their kids are friends with, you know, other cop kids, you know, families. So it's, it's very, you're in a, you're in a bubble and I don't know if it's always healthy just to be in, in one bubble. And so what getting this website's given me and just fly fishing in general has given me, it's given me an entirely new circle to hang out with. Uh, And it's, you know, along the way of writing the website, it's given me opportunities to travel. It's given me opportunities to fish with different fly fishing guides uh, even ones that, you know, weren't too sure about what glass rods were. And, um, it's been fun to put a glass rod in their hands and, you know, have them, they might not give up their graphite rods, but, you know, they see a place for it. And I think they get a kick out of, uh, some of the fish that we've caught on, on glass rods over the, over the years. And so it's, it's, it's been a neat process. And along the way, it's, um, been pretty neat to be a part of a lot of different conversations, uh, about fiberglass. And, you know, I guess to back up just a little bit, I'd written the website for a couple of years and I really didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I was having fun putting content together. It was a niche website. It was very much about fiberglass fly rods every day. Uh, but there was kind of a turning point where there was a, a rod that, that Scott, Scott Fly Rods announced at IFTD. And the day that it was announced at IFTD, I ended up getting all kinds of different messages on social media and email like, what is this? Like people expected me to know what this rod was and I had zero idea what this rod was. I mean, I was learning about it the same time as everyone else. And so it was kind of an aha moment for me that if I was going to be a resource for those that fish fiberglass fly rods, then I needed to do my work and I needed to put my detective hat on and I needed to start making contact with every rod company, every rod builder. And if I'd gotten a rumor of something, I needed to follow up on it. And so fast forward to the next year, uh, about the same time I ended up, I went to IFTD and I went booth by booth and I met hundreds of people that first trip. I gave away 300 business cards. Um, By the end of day three, I was completely hoarse. I still remember um, speaking to, um, to Ray Jeff at the echo booth. And I had like, forgot what I was going to say next. I mean, I was just completely spent. Hey, I apologize, but I am like done, you know, and he totally gets it. I mean, by day three of those shows, you are, are pretty spent, but it, it really gave me, it opened a lot of doors as far as it gave me a new network in the industry. And the next year I went back to the show and instead of giving away 300 business cards, I only gave away 75 business cards because I was meeting the same people over again for the most part. And the next year I gave away 25 right. business cards. So, you know, there was that progression where it was giving me that opportunity to um, start working within the industry. And it really started uh, started a lot of different conversations with different rod companies. So companies that had never offered glass were starting to ask about it. Companies that had offered glass in the past but wanted to bring it back, you know, wanted to talk about it. And then there was just other people that were curious. And so it's, uh, it's been really, really, it's been a very neat ride to get phone calls from different rod builders, um, to get emails and just, you know, being asked from time to time, like, what do you think about this? Or I'm going to send you some prototype rods for you to play with and just give me feedback. Um, 
you know, it's it's been an it's been an honor, and it's been actually very exciting to kind of be a part of the conversation of uh, contemporary fiberglass for the last ten years. Well, it, and it it shows. I mean, obviously, the the passion in in the website comes through, at least to me. Um, I, I, I'm gonna give you a little bit of backstory on me that uh, you don't know because you know we've only had a couple of quick chats on a uh, cell phone, but. My story is very similar to you. Uh, I think I, I picked up my first fly rod, and it's been longer because I'm older than you. But uh, <laughs> when I was probably 10 to 12 years old, saved, 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 and went. we had a little uh, Gibson's department store that most people have never even heard of Gibson's. But um, if I remember correctly, it was an eight-weight. It was a fiberglass rod because that was that's all there was unless you you know, bought bamboo and I sure couldn't afford that. But, um, and it came with a, a 10 can reel, much like what it sounds like you're talking about. It was horrid, but I taught <laughs> myself how to cast it, um, and ended up catching trout on it several years later. Um, but it was just, it was a horrible rod. So, you know, when I, when I could afford it and, and bought better stuff, of course, by then graphite's on the market and that's what everybody's buying. And that's what, that's what I had. And when I found your website a few weeks ago and got looking, I was like, this is just intriguing. It's everything. It's the, again, the old school um, approach to, to doing something. It sounded like there was valid reasons why in some cases fiberglass would be better. So I had been planning to buy a little two-weight and was doing some searching on uh, Facebook and so forth, looking at different options. And I think I had asked in a group, a question about a couple of different two-weight rods and and so forth. And this guy messaged me and said, I've got a two-weight um, and it has a, an Able TR1 reel on it. And come to find out it was a seven-foot two-weight, uh, excuse me, seven-foot fiberglass two-weight. And I'm like, okay, sold. I'll take it. And it arrived uh, a week before last. I couldn't go fishing because of tax weekend, so I had to do my taxes. But last weekend, I hit a stream with it, and I fished till it was just too dark to even cast. I had the best time with that little <laughs> uh, two-weight rod and some – ended up managing, you know, some 12, 14-inch trout. And on a two-weight in some of the water in North Georgia, man, all I can tell you is it was a ton of fun. I can't wait to I get bet. back. Uh, with it so and i've I've obviously read a lot i've listened to some other podcasts that you were on but for our listeners can you can you go into uh what a a person who's accustomed to fishing with with modern rods can expect from a fiberglass rod what are the differences uh what are the advantages um anything else that you would like to add just about the the allure of a fiberglass rod or modern fiberglass rod well i think that you did it the right way when you circled back on it. So when you left it, you left it with a horrible eight weight that was probably just dreadful to cast. And then you came back to it with something that was probably very exciting to fish with, with that two weight. Uh, and you know, that's, there's a lot of people that I'll get emails from that will ask about like first. Um, and it would be very, I wouldn't be doing anyone any favors if I said you should go grab an eight weight or a nine weight or a 10 weight glass rod is your first look into what glass is um, because that might be so foreign to what they're already fishing in that line weight that they might not enjoy it but the, it shines in you know what we kind of call the trout weight so two three four five weight rods is a great entry into what glass is uh, advantages of glass uh, I think they're great tools for new casters because you can feel the rod flex. And the story that I always tell is that uh, the pediatrician, uh, our pediatrician who I became friends with, he was a fly fisherman. And and, and so we uh, got together one evening after work and we were on a local tailwater here in Columbia. And I had an eight foot five weight glass rod and he brought along his fast action three weight and graphite rod. And so we fished, you know, for an hour or so. And I was like, hey, you should just try casting this rod. And um, he did one back cast, and then he laid out like 30 feet of line. And he just yelled out of the river. He's like, whoa. He's like, I could feel the rod load. <laughs> I mean, it was just, it just blew his mind that just that little bit of just one back cast, and then the rod just did all the work. And uh, it just really was, it quickly showed him like, these can be really fun to cast. And when I say that they're good for a, a new caster, 
um, a lot of times graphite rods, you can't feel that rod load. Um, or the tip, you know, it's a tip flex rod, and so most of the rod doesn't really move without, you know, really putting some some mm-hmm. energy behind it. And so putting that, that full flexing glass rod in their hand, they can feel that, that rod back cast. And, you know, then it's learning their timing with it. And so I think they end up being really great tools to teach casting. Uh, and I think they're great in the hands of somebody that knows how to cast. I mean, I've seen many a caster. Um, you know, maybe I can't do it, but, you know, they'll pick up a, a glass rod and they can lay out an entire fly line with it. You just learn the, you learn the, you know, um, your timing with it. And, you know, they're just, they're wonderful casting tools. Uh, and even more than that, I think that they're, they have a lot of benefits when it comes to uh, fighting fish. Um, you know, you can fight the fish over the entire plane of the rod. You can use put a lot of leverage on them, especially when it comes to big fish on light tippet. You're using that whole rod as a shock absorber. And um, I fished in, in northern Georgia and North Carolina where, you know, it, it might be 6 and 7x tippet. It might be little midges. Uh, and it's very rare that I'll break off a fish off on glass just because that whole rod is just so forgiving. Um, and then on big fish, I mean, everything from redfish to carp to musky to pike to bonefish, you can really leverage on large fish. You can really turn fish because you, you're using that entire rod to, to make, you know, to put power on that fish. And it's still, you've got that still that shock absorber effect where you your chances of breaking a big fish off, um, I think go way down. Um, and then, you know, I fish glass from a one, two weight all the way up to two handers. Um, and I fish eight, nine, 10 and a 12 weight for, you know, um, big fish species. Uh, and sometimes it's very specialized, you know, when you start Mm -hmm. doing musky, when you start using sink tips or full sinking lines, I think there's benefits in using glass as well because if you learn that timing, uh, the rod is going to is going to cast those really heavy oversized fly lines, and it's going to turn over big oversized flies. Uh, I think so much easier than graphite. Um, a few years ago, I went and fished in Hayward, Wisconsin, for muskie, and if you are not casting or moving that fly through the water you're not going to catch a fish. I mean, it's not a sight. It's typically not a sight fishing game. You are just covering a ton of water and it's casting, it's casting, it's casting. And you're going to be worn out at the end of the day. I mean, even, you know, where, where I feel like the rod's doing a lot of the work for you, uh, moving that line through the air, you're still going to be worn out. Um, but on that trip, the guy that I was with, he handed me a, a rod that he was working on, a graphite rod that he was working with a rod company with. And he's like, here, cast this and tell me what you think. And I had to use so much of my own energy to lay out line with that graphite rod, that super fast action rod, that I was glad to pick up my slightly heavier in, in weight, like in your hand, but the rod just did so much more of the work. Um, so there's advantages there. And lastly, when you hook up a fish on glass, and I'm sure you felt this with that two weight on some of those larger fish, it is just a hoot to catch fish on glass. I mean, you can feel their head shake all the way down on the cork. The cork is bending, you know, with the, uh, with the rod. And I don't think there's a, a more fun, fun fly rod uh, to catch fish on than glass. No, oh, I can I can tell you I was I was laughing out loud. I mean I was having an absolute blast, and you know I was by myself. I, was, I didn't have anybody fishing with me, but uh, I, yeah, I was I was ecstatic. Um, the closest I can say I've come to that is, you know, I've got a three weight. Now it's it's not fiberglass. It's a, a Saint Croix Legend Ultra uh, three weight, and that has been my favorite <laughs> rod and reel combo. Up until last weekend, I think I may have found a new favorite. So, but you know, I mean that that Saint Croix is in a very fast action rod. That's a pretty moderate action, and that's probably why you like it. Um, it kind of blows my mind when you start talking about these super fast action three weights. I mean, I just don't know why. I don't know what application that you would need a super fast action um, light line weight rod for. Because um, if you're fishing small streams up in North Carolina or Georgia or Northern Michigan. Um, most places that you fish a three weight, you're going to want that, that flex and, you know, that feel. 
but teach his own. I mean, I don't look down sure. my nose at anybody and what they want to fish. Um, but I think it's pretty fun to change people's minds when you put something different in their hands and they're like, wow, this is a lot of fun. And I've got a five weight that's, um, that's probably going to be sold fairly soon. And it's a nice rod, uh, but I haven't, I haven't fished it in forever. Uh, and part of that is because it's a, it's um it's a lefty cray. It's the, uh, TICRX. It's a great rod. It's just a really fast action rod. And, it I, honestly i haven't fished it because i don't have a lot of fun fishing it it, it it's uh it's just a bit too stiff for me to enjoy but uh yeah i'm considering i'm considering selling that one to buy something else but before i get off track too far well i did that same thing <laughs> i mean i think i think i had six or eight different graphite rods and got into glass and i started selling them off one by one and started picking up different rods and, and replacing them so it's it it happens <laughs> that's the process so do you I, ha, I have to ask the fiberglass guy do you still have any graphite fly rods or are you let them all go? i've got one i've got a two-hander echo deck hogan which is a very like moderate flex um graphite rod two-hander but mm-hmm. um i guess it's around because i haven't sold it because i've got several echo switch rods and two-handers in glass now that you know really would be what i would pick up and fish so i haven't fished that that i haven't fished graphite in at least 10 or 12 years um it's well i'm probably gonna let let that that st croix go but i'll be honest it's i'm a long way from letting the uh three weight go i really love that but i am considering a three weight glass rod to to go with it as a counterpart i'll come back to that again in a minute because we talked about that a couple weeks ago but so, um, Cameron, for the let, let's uh, go through a couple a couple scenarios here. First, I'll ask you um, if if uh, an aspiring fly fisherman, somebody that that had not fly fished before, um, they're just getting ready to start. They're they they don't know anything. If they came to you and asked for a recommendation, would you recommend glass or would you recommend something more modern for um, a beginner? Well, um, and why? You know, I always recommend glass just for the fact that I think it's a great tool to learn how to cast with. Uh, and they both enjoy how it casts, but then they really enjoy how it fishes. And so that's a, you know, a great first experience for them. Um, and I think that there's so many options that it, even if somebody starts out with a four or five weight, three, four or five weight in glass, and then, you know, as they uh, learn more about fly fishing, maybe they're going to do bass or going to carp or something in salt, then if that same person came back to me and was like, hey, I've got a trip, I need an eight weight, I don't know. I, I would give them glass options, but, you know, I'd also make sure that they go to a shop and they cast a lot of different rods to figure out what they like. Um, I mean, I'm a total freak when it comes, you know, uh, and glass geek when it comes to fiberglass rods. So what I like may be different than what would be best to suggest to others. And, you know, no hard feelings if, if they want to fish graphite. Um there are a ton of glass options now. I mean, literally hundreds of rods to choose from. So, uh, and you know, the cool thing, especially for beginning anglers, is there's choices across all the price points. That Eagle Claw Featherlight is still available at you know at hardware stores and at Walmart for twenty five dollars, or you can break your piggy bank and get a fully customizable. Uh, you know, one of a kind fly rod and drop 12 or 1500 or more dollars on it. So uh, there's a tremendous amount of choices in, across that entire spectrum, which I think gives anglers a lot of choices. 10 years ago, if you wanted to fish a glass rod, I mean, it was pretty, you had a, a few things in the, in the uh, swimming pool of trout weights, and then you just had a couple things that kind of were outliers outside of that. Uh, fast forward to now, and you just have an incredible amount of of choices and at different price points so you can find you know a thirty dollar three four five weight but then you can also spend you know ten times that much if you actually um a hundred times that if you wanted to so uh i think having choices is a pretty neat and then within those choices then you've got everything from you know very full flex parabolic rods to things that are are more progressive and taper that 
they don't feel like graphite, but they're, you know, going to be what's considered fast on the fiberglass side of things. And I, you mentioned the Featherlight, and I know you, you, you do like that rod. Part of that, I think, is probably, and I'm, I'm not trying to speak for you, so you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think part of that's probably a little bit of nostalgia. But uh, I do know you have those actually for sale on your, on your website for folks that want to just try out a, a reasonably priced glass rod, right? I do. Um, they've been kind of hard to find lately. Uh, my local distribution forum is kind of um, dried up. The only reason I was offering them, I mean, I think I make if I make $5 off each one that I sell was just that people had such a hard time finding them that I was like, well, shoot, I'll just start selling them. And it's kind of fun to, uh, you know, I'll get a dad that emails and says, Hey, I'm going to get one for me, but I'm going to get one for both my kids. And so it's fun to, you know, have them report back how much fun that they've had on it. So it's been, been neat to uh, give, help give people their first experience with, um, either glass or fly fishing or both. Sure, sure. So, uh, and this is the second part of that question I was going to ask, and this one is a, a bit loaded, so I'm going to have to I'm going to have to frame it a little bit, and you, you you'll know why in just a second. But obviously, you know, glass rods or or really any fly rods for that matter. There's a there's a really wide range of prices. You can spend as little or as much as your heart desires. So, if a uh, if a uh, uh, a person that's let's just use me for example you know i've i've been fly fishing for many years i i definitely consider myself a an accomplished amateur i'm <laughs> i can i can go out and splash line with the best of them but uh i catch fish and and i enjoy myself um but if if someone like me was had been fishing with you know rod and reel combos in the you know four to five hundred dollar range and wanted just to try you know for lack of a better term a a mid-range fiberglass rod nothing that's going to break the bank but nothing that's you know kind of like an entry level a good mid-range uh fiberglass rod you know do you have a couple of of names you could drop as far as uh manufacturers that make a just a good quality mid-range fly rod from a price perspective well the one that always tops out my list as far as just a factory made you can go into a fly shop and find it and then walk out the door with it is uh the orvis super fine glass series um and the story behind it's pretty neat um the um the designer and the developer of that before he even worked at orvis he and i got to know each other uh, through TFM, he would, you know, we sent emails back and forth and he would show me, you know, pictures of fish that he'd caught on the bat and kill big, big brown trout on glass. And, uh, he was doing something not in the fiber or in the uh, fly fishing industry. And then he ended up getting hired by Orvis and, uh, and it wasn't too long after he, he started working at Orvis and he was working in, in fly rod development that he found some of the old golden eagle blanks in the rod shop. And um, he had a lot of guys that, at Orvis that really didn't weren't that interested in doing a glass project. And he had a couple of the uh, old blanks built up in the rod shop just to put them in hands of different people um, in the company and just wanted to start conversations about it. And fast forward six months or a year, that conversations were happening more. And uh, I don't know if there was a tremendous amount of confidence what super fine glass could be. Uh, but what they quickly found is that as the rods were being developed and people started hearing about it, there was a lot of excitement about it. And then when the rods were released, uh, they had a tremendous response to it. So much so that the three rods that were in the lineup, which was a, a seven foot three weight, a seven six four weight, and an eight foot um, five weight, were you know a year later they added a um, eight six six weight, they added another three weight to the lineup. Um, and now, fast forward to now, and they're just about ready to launch a um, two weight and then an eight weight. So uh, it's kind of a neat story that they've had enough interest in that lineup that they wrote. Uh, it's been kind of a, a surprise to them, I think, that there was that much interest in it. But then just, you know, the rods are made in the USA. They're rolled at the rod shop in Vermont. Um, everything's sourced. Uh, from the USA, and so you're getting a, a Vermont-made ro- fly rod for $400, and it has a has a full guarantee on it, and they're great tapers. They're a lot of fun to fish, so that's always. And I had you know kind of a hand in playing with prototypes and given my opinion on you know maybe the aesthetics and and uh, it was a neat project to be a part of. So that's always going to be my my number one in that price point. Um, I do get a, a lot of emails where people ask, you know, like, what should they be looking for? And I always ask five things. So the number one thing I ask is budget. 
Um, because I certainly don't want to talk to somebody about a six or an $800 fly rod when their budget's $200 um, or vice versa. Um, sure. So we talk about budget, we figure that out. Then we talk about line weight, what length, um, what's their application? Like what type of taper are they looking for? Um, you know, are they looking for that just perfect blue line rookies, um, you know, in the, in the back country, uh, in the Appalachia, or are they looking for something for tailwater trout out West? Um, and so we, you know, we talk about line, line, um, line weight length type of taper. And then we talk about customer or factory, you know, do they, um, do they have three months or six months to wait for a fly rod to be built for them? Um, do they want it to be, have those custom aspects that, uh, that the different, uh, small shop rod builders can do, or do they have a trip coming up? They need to walk in, they need to grab it and, and go out the door. So usually, you know, asking those four or five questions, you can really narrow down, you know, exactly what's within their budget, what they're looking for. There's a lot of people that, you know, USA made is, is very important to them. And then you talk to other guys that, you know, they just want a great value, um, and a great fishing fly rod. So, and like I said, you know, when I used to have conversations 10 years ago, it was pretty limited. You know, you're either going to go to Mike McFarlane or Mark Steffen for something custom, or you're going to go to Scott, um, for something they offered or Tom is a established rod company. Um, and there, there was a couple different blank makers, but you know, the conversations were pretty limited and fast forward now. And it's just like, well, you got this option, you got this option. If you, sure. <laughs> you can spend, you know, about the same money and get this, or, you know, even companies like Cabela's have great fly rods for the money, the CGR series that they released years ago and then kind of cycled off of them, but then brought them back because of, of demand. And, you know, there's times where they'll put those on sale for $40 and you, you can't beat that. Uh, value for just a great great fishing rod and they offer two through seven eight weight so um you've got lots of choices and you know sometimes when somebody emails and says that they're looking for they can't decide between multiple line weights and you know maybe their budget's two hundred dollars you know my suggestion is wait till those cabello's rods go on sale and you can get the two the two weight the five weight and the seven eight weight and then you've got three rods for 120 bucks wow Um, and so, you know, it can be a, a, a deal, but <clears throat> it's a great entry into uh, fishing glass and multiple line weights. And um, I guess the flip side of that is when this whole wave of contemporary glass started, there were some rod builders that I think were a little nervous about, you know, some of, you know, companies like, you know, what Cabela's would do to them as a rod builder. Sure. Um, or some of the small, small rod shops, you know, if, if some of the larger rod companies start offering glass and what they quickly realized was, um, maybe that person that wants entry into fiberglass, they're not necessarily going to be the customer that's going to spend four six or $800 on a custom rod, but they're going to start out with that, you know, 50 or 60 or $80 rod. And then when they realize that they really enjoy it a year from now or two years from now or five years from now, when they're looking for something special, then they're going to become a customer um, f- to that custom rod builder or to that, you know, top tier rod company. And so what's been interesting where you'd think that you'd have all this competition and rod builders wouldn't get along and rod companies wouldn't get along with the small shop rod builders. What's really happened is, is that some of the larges end up rolling blanks for the smaller shop guys. Um, you know, companies like Thomas and Thomas and Orvis, they sell their blanks to those rod builders. So there's guys that don't like the way the Orvis rods look. They just, they don't like the, the build scheme so they can get that blank and have a custom rod builder. And they're going to spend a couple hundred dollars more for that blank, but they get it just the way they want it. And so, you know, fast forward to now and you see, you know, the rod builders depend on, um, and have great relationships with the larger rod companies. And they look at some of the entry level glass is just a great opening of a door to people fishing glass. And a lot of times those, those same people become customers to the small shop rod, rod guys too. So I think it's worked out. If you're a good builder and you do really good work, then people are going to, they're going to take notice and you're not going to have a problem selling rods. Um, I trade text messages with traded text messages with rod builder today and said he has a tremendous amount of orders and he can't build rods fast enough and so that's pretty neat to hear it's very neat and i think uh i think you have probably had uh, a a very large impact and influence on on 
the resurgence of glass, you know, just based on the research that, that I've done in the, the uh, Google searches I've done over the past, you know, two or three weeks, um, I think you've played a very large part in that. You mentioned the, um, the, the Orvis uh, Superfine three weight, and, and I must admit, I stopped at an Orvis shop today because I needed to get some uh, Aqua Seal because my, my, my waiters had a bit of uh, seepage problem last week and I'm, I'm hoping to, to fix them rather than having to replace them. But I picked up that, that three weight today and, and it is a, it's an absolutely gorgeous rod. It's funny though, the, the, the gentleman that, that waited on me just kept saying, you know, are you sure you don't want to, you, you wouldn't be more interested in this, <laughs> this graphite. And I'm like, nah, not after, not after my experience this past weekend. Um, but now you just you just attended the the Orvis down the hatch event in Nashville. Uh, I guess it was the week before last. Was there any new um, new information or news about any any glass offerings from Orvis during that time? Well, a lot of the conversations right now with Orvis are all centered around H three um, Helios three, and that's their big launch. Mm-hmm. Um, right. They are rolling out the two weight and the eight weight in the superfine glass. I mean, that's kind of a lesser story. Um, for them uh, because essentially they're building or needing to build so many H3s right now that they don't even have table time in the rod shop to roll glass blanks and then finish out glass blanks because they've got so many orders for H3s that um, they're going to do a couple small runs of the two weight and the eight weight and then they'll probably get backburnered for a few months while they catch up with uh, the H3s like there's so many H3 orders uh, and demand that they have people coming from the office that don't even work in the rod shop that are coming in to help do different aspects of the work in the rod shop just to move more rods out of there so um, it's kind of hard to justify uh, doing doing a big push on Superfine Glass right now when they've got that sure. much interest in H3 um, I think what's interesting that you just said about um, you know, the guy in the shop saying, oh, wouldn't you like to try, you know, a graphite rod? Because uh, I talked to a lot of fly shops and um, Headhunters is a great example. Um, and I've been, is a great example of a shop that gets glass. They enjoy fishing glass. The guys that are in the shop, when they're not fishing with clients, they're fishing glass themselves. So if some, if you came into the shop and said, hey, I really want a glass three weight, they're going to be, they're going to have positive conversations with you about glass mm-hmm. and their own experience with it. And you should try this. And we like this rod with this line, but then you go into other shops that they'll have, you know, I've talked to some shop owners and they're like, we can't sell glass in our shop. Like nobody's interested in it. Well, it's because when that person comes in and says, Hey, I'm looking for, you know, a three or a four or five weight, um, person that's in the shop isn't if they're not they're into glass they're gonna they're gonna mm-hmm. put a graphite rod in their hand every single time right. and when the customer says well what about this you know that glass rod and they're like no you don't want that and so people are very swayed by what the shop guys tell them so you know what i've shops that are very glass friendly that they have guides that fish glass the shop guys fish glass the owner fishes glass you know it's a prominent thing in the shop and it's something that they promote and they push and they do casting competitions with them and you know they're they have just as many glass rods out at the the casting pool as they do graphite rods um then you see those shops that they're able to sell glass rods to you know, just about anybody that walks in the door that's looking for that type of rod. Um, and then you find shops that they just, they end up discounting the rods and getting rid of them because they just, they don't have anybody in the shop that's passionate about it. Um, and that's, you know, whether you write a fly fishing blog or you work in a fly shop or you're a rep for, you know, one of the rod makers, if you get it, then other people are going to get it. Um, but if you're not keen on it, then it's hard to, you know, get other people to be excited about something that you're ho-hum about. And you know what, Cameron, you're exactly right. The, um, the, the shop today that I was in, you could just tell that that was his, his comfort zone was around the graphite and that's cool. Um, uh, and, and I'm, I'm not necessarily even saying that I'm at the point yet where I may not buy another graphite rod at some point, but, uh, yeah, I really like that, that super fine three weight. And I know when we were talking a couple of weeks ago, you mentioned the, the two weight that was coming and I got really excited about it cause I've been wanting a two weight. But then I mentioned, uh, the, the guy on Facebook and his name is Scott spray. I'm not sure if you have ever ran into him or know him, but, uh, this little rod that he built is really nice. And 
in fact, he told me after I got it and tried it out that he, uh, he has a six foot, um, uh, he has a six foot blank. So I'm thinking about having him actually build that one for me too, at some point, I'm in no hurry, but, uh, I still think I'm going to end up probably now, if I get that super fine, it'll be the three weight instead of the two that I was talking to you about. So I can actually go pick that up anytime. All I got to do is come up with that little bit of, you know, $400 to do it. Just need that cash. <laughs> That's all. That's <laughs> what makes the world go round, isn't it? <laughs> sure. So uh, shifting, I want to shift just a little bit. You kind of started talking a little bit about the, the custom rods and that's, um, for me, that's a little bit of a, 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 a black hole. I've tried to do a little bit of research. I've talked to a couple of, um, you know, custom rod builders. I would say again, they're more the, the independent guys, the mom and shop, mom and pop shops, those kind of things. But if you're looking at having a custom fly rod built by a, you know, by a custom rod maker, you know, is it, are there name brand blanks that you look for or some of the no name um, blanks just as good? You know, I guess, what do you, what do you look for there? If you're looking at a custom rod, is it all about reputation or is it about materials, a combination or what? Well, I mean, you know, that's changed a lot over the years. So when you've, you know, back up 10 years ago, there was only a couple sources to get rods um, as far as rod blanks for custom rod builders. So there was a time where everybody was, you had Mike McFarlane, he was building his own rods, but he was selling his blanks. And then you had Mike, uh, Mark Steffen, who was doing the same thing. He'd build rods, but he would also sell his blanks. So you had uh, a growing number of small shop rod builders who were typically getting their blanks from, you know, either of them or, uh, they would find old blanks, you know, on eBay and build those up, but there wasn't a lot of choices. And fast forward to now, and you've got builders that have developed a reputation either by building on other people's blanks. So they're building still on the Stefan blanks or the McFarland blanks or Epic blanks, or they're getting blanks from Thomas and Thomas or from Orvis, or they're, um, you kind of the step beyond that is that you've got rod builders that have their own interest in developing tapers. So you've got the Larry Kennys and you've got um, Fred Paddock and Shane Gray and uh, Chris Barclay and the list goes on and on where these guys have done their, their own research on what they are looking for in a fiberglass rod. They've developed tapers um, they have their own mandrels, and then they have found sources for where that glass is made. Some of it's made in the U.S., some of it's made in New Zealand, some of it's made in Japan. Uh, so there's different places that rod builders are able to source uh, rods that are made specifically for them, to their own taper, to their own specifications. And I think the neat part of that is that, again, there was there was a time where I think rod builders were constantly looking over their shoulder like, well, so-and-so is doing an eight foot five weight and I'm doing an eight foot five weight. I wonder how similar our rods are. Um, over time, what that's developed into is that when you look at somebody like Chris Barclay, his rods, he's very much into parabolic style rods. Uh, and for the most part, his rods were in the lower trout weight. So he did twos and threes and fours and a five and he kind of stopped there. Now he's extending that into a six weight and a seven weight and an eight weight. Um, but the style of his rods are very, and then you look at what Shane Gray's, Gray has done over time, and he's had several different signature lineups of graphite, or excuse me, of uh, fiberglass that he's done, and some graphite, um, where what he was doing didn't conflict with what Chris was doing, because Shane's rods were all about kind of pushing glass to being longer rods. So he's, he you know, one of the rods that, that I've got from him is a nine foot three weight. You know, a very full flexing, but a long rod that you could use in tailwater situations on chalk streams, um, kind of a specialized right. rod. Mm -hmm. uh, and so what Shane was doing was different from Chris, but then you go and you look at the rods that are coming out of Japan, and those are different than what the other two guys are doing. And then you look at Larry Kenny, and he was doing a five-piece back rod, and, you know, his his tapers are, are notorious as well and well-known. So instead of all these custom rod builders kind of being at odds with each other, 
what they've done is they've all found their niche, what they're good at, what they like. Um, you know, Mario uh, Wojcicki, he has his own deal. It's, he, he's probably more akin to Chris Barclay as far as parabolic rods. Um, and so what you've had is that you've got all these different rod builders that have developed their own identity, what they're, what, what they do, how they build a rod. It might be aesthetics. Uh, and so I think kind of the, <laughs> I think for a rod builder, kind of the slap in the face is if you contact one rod builder and say, Hey, I'd like you to build this rod that looks very much like, um, a rod that comes out of another shop. And that happens. You know, <laughs> people don't know that that's kind of like not cool sure. to do, but, um, you know, rod builders will kind of laugh at it. Like, yeah, they wanted me to build it, but they wanted me to do it kind of in the style of another builder. And they, they, you know, typically won't do that. Sure. Sure. So it, 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 not to try to nail you down here, but I, I guess, you know, if you, you, you let's use the, the Superfine as an example. So that's a that's roughly a four hundred dollar rod. If if a person went out and spent four hundred dollars with a custom rod builder, um, could they expect to get a, a similar uh, performing uh, performance rod from the custom rod builder in most cases as they would from say an Orvis or is that really too hard to say? Well, I don't know um, if it's too hard to say. I mean, everything breaks down to what the blank is and what you do find, and I've, I've written, you know, a couple of articles on it. Like there's a lot of people that are drawn to fiberglass because of the color. And I'll even get people that will email me and say, I want a green fly rod or I want a blue fly rod or I want a pink fly rod. They're not, they're not answering the question of what they're going to do with the rod. Like they're buying that rod and wanting that rod purely off aesthetics. And so what you kind of try to do is, um, then I still go back to my five questions. Like what's your budget? What's your line length? What is your, um, line weight that you're looking for? And if we can, what type of taper, you know, we're looking for. Um, because if somebody wants sure. a, a bright yellow fly rod, you know, or a very traditional like dark yellow fly rod or um, a green, and they say, well, you know, I'm going to be using it for a situation where I might be fishing streamers or whatever, and they want something more progressive, then I'm going to say, well, you know, one of the epic rods is going to be a great choice um, because they've got the color that you want and the taper that you want. And so you can kind of match up what they want together. Um, some people are very drawn to the aesthetics of it, and they don't necessarily care how the rod cast and i've done that i mean years ago i would buy rods just because i liked how they looked and then i'd get them and i just they didn't fit the way um the fishing that i did or wanted to do with them and so they would be rods that i would end up passing on to someone else because they didn't apply to the fishing that i do um the other definition that i like to to kind of explain to people is that it's very easy to say oh they're a custom rod builder well are they a custom rod builder or are they a rod builder? Um, because it's, it's not terribly difficult and there's rod builders that are very, very good and they do excellent work, but they are buying preformed grips. The hardware is coming from another source. The guides are coming from like everything that's building that rod comes from somewhere else. So essentially they're a rod builder, but they're a rod putter together type deal. Um, <laughs> you know, and it, yeah. uh, but for somebody that's looking for a truly custom fly rod, uh, there are um, rod builders that they do everything. If you look at the work of Matt Lederman, he does all of his metal work. He does he can do his he can do his guides. He can do he does all of his woodwork. He does um, you know sources the highest grade cork that he could possibly do or find, and then he builds a fly rod that is largely you know from his own hands and from his shop and from the tools and from the equipment in his shop. Um, and so that definition of what a custom rod builder is going to be different than that guy that really isn't doing the customization part of the, of the build. They're essentially just taking parts and putting them together. Um, so I wouldn't expect, you know, if somebody was going to drop six or $800 on fly rod, <clears throat> well, you can get a very um, bespoke, uh, handcrafted fly rod from somebody like Shane Gray or George um, in Europe or from Christian in Sweden or from Matt Lederman, I would hope that somebody that's a rod putter together rod builder um, mm -hmm. would 
not try to um, pass off his work as being six or eight hundred dollars work to the same level as, as somebody that's done so much of that work out of their own shop. Um, and that, that makes perfect sense. And, you know, that just takes research, you know, and um, I think when people start getting into the idea of um, having a, a custom rod built for them, uh, people do a lot of research and there's, you know, um, you know, I hope that TFM's a, a resource for people. Of course, you know, I get a lot of emails and I'm happy to, to, you know, walk people through the different things. And what's fun is, you know, when people ask, answer those five questions that I give them, then they might want a, a small shop made rod, but they might not be able to afford something that's very, um, handcrafted, but they still want something from the United States. And I'm able to link them up with a builder that builds beautiful rods and it's exactly what they want. And so, you know, it's great having those emails where we can have conversations about what they're looking for and then line them up with the exact either rod company or fly shop that sells the rod they're looking for, or, you know, either a rod, um, rod maker or then a very custom rod maker. Um, and then to get feedback from like, man, that was exactly what I was looking for. Um, it's, it's, it's rewarding and I, I get a kick out of it. Um, and it's, it's pretty neat to, you know, even like highlight a rod builder on TFM and then have that rod builder, you know, send me a text message or an email a couple of days later and say, Hey, appreciate you putting up that, you know, that Stefan build. I ended up selling three more rods, you know, from people that saw that post. So, um, yep. it's, it's, it's cool. a feel good thing for me that I'm, that I feel like I'm doing my part in a, in fly fishing to promote both rod builders, but then also like connect people together. Sure. Sure. And I, and I was sitting here thinking, listening to most of that, the, basically the, the moral of that story comes down to get out there, spend some time on the fiberglass manifesto, do some, do some research. If you're looking at, at buying a rod or having a custom rod made. And if you got questions, sounds like you're open to, to folks reaching out to you and, and asking advice. And I always tell people, jump on the fiberglass fly riders forum. Like I said, I was a member when there was less than 300 members. Um, I was just on there tonight and there's over 6,000 members on that forum. Wow. And what's cool is, is that you've got people that have fished glass for decades and decades and decades, but then not only have fished glass, but they've worked with, they've worked at Fenwick or they've worked at Shakespeare right. or they worked with Tom Morgan or they worked at Winston um, or they worked at, you know, we had a rod builder from that worked at the Vermont rod shop. I mean, people with incredible backgrounds um, and knowledge base and, you know, there's rod makers on the forum. There's a lot of rod makers on the forum actually. Uh, and so it's a really neat place to ask questions. If somebody emails me about a vintage rod that they found, I can give them, you know, typically some information, but I always say on fiberglass fly riders because they are people there that actively want to help you understand what you've got there. And there's some great conversations on that forum. Um, and what's also neat is that if somebody's looking for something, um, and even in my own experience, that f my first glass rod was a um, eagle claw feather light. The next glass rod that I that I bought when I joined the forum. Um, there's a guy that's named uh, Bulldog 1935, Ron from, from Texas. He posted a headin', a seven foot headin', uh, brown tobacco glass fly rod, and he sold it for $45. Um, so he was barely sending wow. it. He, he, he was barely selling it for any money. I bought the rod and that rod like blew my mind. In fact, the story that I always tell is at that same time that I got that, that head and my wife, um, I had turned 30 years old and my wife had saved all year. And I told her that I was looking at for this, that I wanted this one specific graphite rod and what was, um, mind blowing, but then also like getting kicked in the gut is that, that, $650 graphite rod was not a fraction as fun to fish as that $45 seven foot glass rod. Um, Isn't that amazing? And so, I mean, it was like oh, a tough thing to come to terms with <laughs> that this, uh, this $45 rod that was at that point, probably 50 years old. Um, right. Just so much more fun to, to fish than this modern graphite rod. So um, it was, it was, eye-opening to me but <clears throat> i guess that for sale forum on the fiberglass fly rotters is great because i mean even i'll get rid of stuff i could probably jump on ebay and make twice the money but 
everybody in that community, they just want that. Whatever they have, they want it to go to somebody else that will appreciate it. Um, and what's kind of neat is that there's so many people on the forum that are kind of going through the different stages of fishing glass. So when you come on the forum, you're like buying everything up. You want to figure out what you like. You're buying vintage. You're buying, you know, contemporary if you can afford it. You know, maybe you don't have much of a budget. Um, and then you, you know, you get all these rods and then you figure out, ooh, I really like the way this feels. You keep this one. You sell these three. and But it goes on to kind of somebody else's experience. Um, and so what you find is a real community where you see some of the same things get sold and resold and resold. And it's not that they're, um, subpar or that they're not wanted. It's just that it's neat to kind of pass on those things as you kind of grow out of them, they go to somebody else. Uh, and so there's a real culture on that, that forum of most people sell, will not sell on eBay. They want to sell on the forum because they kind of want to, it's kind of do the right thing type mindset. Sure. Sure. I like, and I can tell you, I'm not a member, but I will be signing up. If not tonight, I will be, I will be re- registering an account on that on that forum tomorrow. Um, Cameron, I'll be honest with you, buddy. I could, I could probably sit here and talk to you for another <laughs> another two hours, but uh, probably ought to look at uh, at wrapping this one up. But the the good news is, I've still got questions, so you know, maybe we'll maybe we'll do this again sometime in the future. Um, it was, I, I tell you what, it was an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Um, I hope to meet up with you again on a stream sometime real soon. Tell you what, you pick the state. How about that? I know we need to plan. I don't think you're too far away. You're in Georgia, right? That's correct. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm one one state line away from you. Yeah, you can't be too far away because I'm in the middle of South Carolina, so we're not too far away from from the state line. So, but it's been great to talk to you. I hopefully I hadn't gone off on too many tangents and answered the questions that you had. And of course, if anybody has any questions, they can feel free to email me at the fiberglass manifesto at uh, gmail.com or you can connect through the website or um, facebook twitter and instagram i try to stay active on those social media sites as well awesome buddy well i sure do appreciate it again and uh can't wait to we can't wait to talk to you again um until the next time uh i sure hope everyone in enjoyed this episode and that you're enjoying the podcast um we've got some other great guests just like cameron already lined up and and headed your way in the coming weeks so if you've not already done so uh, please subscribe to the podcast so you'll automatically be notified of future episodes and we can be found on itunes stitcher google play podbean and more uh once you subscribe please take the time to leave us a rating or a review This helps us climb in the ratings and attract new listeners to the podcast. And the more folks we have listening, the more people we have the opportunity to introduce to our traditional style of doing things. So until next time, get out there and enjoy our great outdoors. And if you can, take a kid along. Be safe, be responsible, and be sure to set a good example for your fellow outdoors men and women. So long, everyone.